Good morning. Hey, so before we uh, jump into the sermon today, uh, I want to let you know about something that's going to come in a couple of a couple of weeks. And of course, as we come into uh, the holiday season, there are lots of opportunities for us to be of service and to um, and to help uh, people around in our community. On November the seventeenth, we're going to do something that we did uh, about six months ago. Um, we're going to have a, a service after service day. Okay, um, it's going to be at one uh, one o'clock. We're going to gather. We're going to be off at our service projects by one thirty. Um, at one o'clock on November seventeenth. Okay, what day? Okay, I think you got that. Uh, so you need to mark that down. Think about it. We're going to have some things like uh, we're going to go uh, rake some leaves for some neighbors. Uh, hopefully, if the weather's good, we're going to go sing uh, so for some of our, our friends over at uh, NHC uh, and have some other things along the way, too. I think we'll have a prayer walk as part of it as well. So there's going to be some things that we're going to do to try to reach out uh, to some folks in our community and just uh, be a part of, of serving uh, our, our neighbors on that day. Okay, So please mark that down and, and mark off some space for Sunday afternoon. Uh, on November the 17th. would love for you to be a part of it. It was really fun uh, when we did it uh, back in the spring, and I think it'll be a great, a great time for, uh, for us to spend with each other. Um, you know, I love coming and sitting and singing songs with each other and celebrating the table of Jesus. It's really good. Uh, I love when we get to study the Word together. Uh, and, uh, but I also love uh, so much when we have a chance to be of service with each other. Isn't that special? It's really special to be uh, to have a moment where you get to serve with your brothers and sisters in the church. I think that's one of the things that uh, draws us together in the spirit of Jesus. So be a part of that uh, on November seventeenth. Mark it, mark it down. Okay, all right. One of my favorite images of God is that piece that Peter read for us just a minute ago in uh, Revelation 21, of God looking out um, over creation and uh, preparing in this moment to kind of make, uh, make everything different, to restore uh, this kind of union of God and, and His creation. Uh, it's, it's kind of this picture of the end, right? Of the thing that God will do in Jesus to bring about the next age uh, where, where everything will be restored to uh, the, what it was meant to be in the beginning. It says, the one seated at the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's Revelation 21.5. It's a, it's a verse that echoes in my mind all the time. I, I often hear, um, hear that uh, verse in my, in my mind as I, I go through life. There's some glint of light, and I'll think to myself, no, no joke, I'll think to myself, Behold, I am making all things new. I really look forward to the day when all of God's creation hears not just as a thing in our heads or our minds, not just when some little thing goes right or some little thing comes to health or wholeness, but I eagerly, eagerly desire to see the day when all all of creation hears the authoritative, creative voice 
of God say, Behold, I make all things new. If you listen hard enough, if you put your ear to the ground and honestly, cleanly, clearly, simply listen, you can hear, you can hear all of creation. Sighing, groaning, waiting to hear that word of Jesus. Uh, today, I want us to look at just a couple of verses in, in Romans chapter 8. They're pretty important for the way that we think about creation. We are in the middle of a study of our, our creation theology, thinking about what it means to know God as the creating one, the one who uh, created in the beginning and who still cares for and sustains the creation uh, that, has, that has been made. And Romans, in the middle of talking to God's people, in the moment, uh, middle of speaking to the church about what it means to be a people who are being renewed, whose God's creative, God's creative work is bringing about something new in this his community. In Romans, uh, Romans 8, there's this, these few verses that I think speak of something uh, that's so, so significant about the way that we think about God as the creating one. And it starts, the part that I want to read today starts in verse, uh, verse 19. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of, one, of the one who subjected it, in order that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, but who hopes for who hopes for what is seen. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And now we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. This passage is a famous part of the book of Romans. It's one of my favorite pieces of that majestic book. And I want to take just a couple of phrases from this section and just dwell on what they would mean for us as we know God as the creator. 
The first one is that phrase that shows up all the way back uh, in verse 19 when it says, For the creation waits with eager longing. Now that's the part that I'm talking about when I say if you put your ear to the ground, if you just hear it, you can kind of, you can hear the creation longing for its redemption. By creation, uh, I, I want us to think broadly. It does involve, I think, just the, the physical things that we see out, okay? The, the things like the trees and the ground and the waterfalls and the rivers and all that stuff, okay? The animals and the creatures that we share uh, this world with. And the cosmos, not just uh, the creation isn't just what's happening on this planet. It's the, the whole of the universe. And I think there is a sense in which if we listen carefully, we can hear that all of that is waiting to be made new. Or all of it is longing for a redemption, for things to finally, finally be right. Now, in our study and in, in, in our Bible classes, we've been we thought a little bit about how God's creative work in the beginning was very good, but it wasn't complete. God intended for creation to be something that was continuing to be made good and fruitful and whole. And humans were kind of given some work to, to serve creation and to be part of that whole thing. And that whole project of this whole creation, fruitful and beautiful and pure and holy, all of that was meant to be, uh, was meant to be good, very good, and growing in goodness. Our sin and our brokenness like hurts all that, restrains it, corrupts it. The story of Genesis is that human vi uh, violence and our tendency to pour our, our blood out on each other, uh, each other's blood out on the earth is part of what corrupts creation. Where people seek their own good, and not the good of their neighbor, and not the good of the world, or not the good of the glory of God, but they seek their own good in such a corrupt way that we do violence to each other, we hurt each other, and we poison creation. That's part of the story. Creation itself somehow takes on human sin and its consequences and all, all the things that break the earth and break things as they're supposed to be. Somehow, all of creation is cracked, fragmented, fractured by the evil that lies within us. And I don't understand all the ins and outs of what the, the mystery of that mean, okay? But I don't doubt the truth of it. Because it seems very clear to me that there's this way that human sin kind of corrupts everything. And it's not just the, the physical, the, this, this other stuff, all the physical places of creation. It, it's also all the things about, uh, that are part of our human life together, too. The, the way that we interact with each other. I think about all the ways that uh, the cultures of the earth, not just our culture right now, uh, but all the cultures of the earth have this like broken corruption within them. That's part of it, too, right? The way that humans in their relationships with each other and the way that they form communities and neighborhoods and, and uh, nations, all, the way all of that is broken. So that we're feel, filled all the time with fears of the scarcity that we feel like we encounter in the world and fears of the danger that we feel like other people pose to us. And filled with fear, we know we all know that the world is not right. 
I'm not saying just one side of, 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 the, of the, the fighting about today's culture wars and all that kind of stuff. I'm saying that everybody, every human knows somewhere within us, whether we want to be admit, admit it or not, we get that something about this world is broken. Now listen, I'm a, I'm a half a glass half full kind of guy, all right? I go through my life skipping and jumping and whistling all day long. I'm pleasantly, optimistically disposed. It's really fun, okay? I get to enjoy all kinds of beauty in my life. I get to enjoy all kinds of wonderful things. I have great friendships and great relationships. But I know. I know good and well that everything is not right. I know it in the way that I experience people here in our community that are um, that through some kind of generational conflict or some sort of um, mashing with the systems that are in play or sometimes just the, the evil de- decisions that they've, they've made or that other people in their families have made that have hurt them. I just get to experience all the time in my life how people's lives are fractured and broken by the sin that is just part of our world. I mean, it doesn't take long to think about it, right? I, I see just this groaning in the striving. You, you, you can too, right? Like, can't you put your ear to the ground? Man, don't even put your ear on the ground. Just, just, just think about all of the stuff that's just junk that's around us all the time. And if we pause and are just honest for just a second, we know that everything is broken. (laughs) What Paul tells us here in Romans, Paul who has his ear to the ground, he says that the whole creation has has been, and this metaphor is a little vivid, he says the whole of creation is like a woman in the middle of childbirth, and you can hear it in the next room over. You can hear the groaning that is the longing of creation for things to be made right. So the creation, this world around us, but not just the stars and the, the sun and the moon and the, and the trees and the plants and the earth, but all of the things that make up human uh, culture and human uh, relationships and the structures that, that we live in all the time, and even within our own selves, right? Even with our own selves, we can feel it. And that's true not just for just humans out there, pagan humans that don't know Jesus. Paul says that even for us, right? It says, the creation waits with eager longing, but, but skip on down uh, to verse 23. And not only the creation, he says, but we ourselves. Even in our, those of us that have come to know Jesus and come to be part of his, his people and a part of his spirit, we ourselves still know, we still sense it, Right? I mean, man, we don't do people a service when we say, give your life to God, and everything will change in an instant. We kind of give them this impression that, you know, once you go into that water, you're washed, and, and, and nothing's ever going to be wrong anymore, right? And we all know that that's not the way it is, but we kind of, like, we kind of imply it. 
The truth is that even those of us who are fallen Jesus, we still wrestle with the brokenness that is within us, right? Am I the only one right? Okay? We know it. We don't have to listen to some cosmic sound about the brokenness of the universe. All we got to do is be a little honest with our own selves. We know, I know, with, I know, I know within my own heart that the darkness is still there. I know that I still do things that hurt other people just so I can get a little relief my own self. I know that I still, because of some of the anxieties I feel about whether, you know, what, whatever's going on in my world, I still find myself um, being willing to take a shortcut that'll hurt somebody else rather than do myself some harm. Anybody else, anybody else feel that? And Paul, man, I love that he recognizes that, right? That he says, hey, listen, all of creation is in this cosmic struggle. And it's not just creation, it's us too. We still, he's talking about Christian people, we still feel that struggle within ourselves. And there's a good thing there, by the way, okay? Because when, think about what it would be like if the rest of the creation was still in this struggle, if the rest of the creation was still in this brokenness, and as soon as we became believers, all of that went away with us, okay? Because hurting people have the capacity to understand and to empathize with the hurt that's around them and outside of them. So there's, what I'm trying to say is that there's something, when I, but if I was all papered over and finished and fully done, I don't know that I would care as much about everybody else's problems. But the fact that there's still something within us that bears that fracture, that bears that brokenness. That allows us to live in solidarity with the rest of the world, with the rest of broken creation, with the rest of broken and fractured humanity. It allows us to say, yes, it's broken, not just in judgment over against the rest of everybody else, but it allows us to say, yes, the world is broken, and we are too. We are too. It's clear that Paul says that because, or that Paul means that we ourselves still experience all that. Because he says that we ourselves, who ha- we, we grown inwardly, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. In other words, he identifies. This is Christian people that he's talking about, right? We ourselves groan. We ourselves are still with the rest of creation, groaning inwardly, right? He has that beautiful section about uh, when sometimes we don't even know what to pray about. The spirit within us is able to kind of meet God in prayer. He says, he says man, you, you, you Christian people, sometimes you don't even know what to pray for, right? That's true for me. So when I lean in, I can hear that groaning, not just outside, but I hear it in my own self too. When I allow myself to be honest, I know that I too groan along right with creation, saying, when will it all be new? But if you'll allow me to talk talk out of both sides from my mouth for just a second, I say, when will it all be made new, even while I can see those points of light, right? See, we are those who have 
the first fruits of the Spirit. And so, yeah, we still grown along, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit too, right? So some things are being made new, but the whole thing isn't done yet. You know, you, listen, Christian people, we need to be able to hold that thing in tension, okay? That there are some things that are being made whole, but it ain't all done yet. That, that right there is the space where we live, where we've experienced something of the goodness of God, something of the healing of creation, but we look forward to and we long for the whole thing to be done. And either side of that, if you only go to one side of, the, of, of that, that tension and you don't have the other, you're, you're not really being fully honest, okay? If you act like nothing has ever been made right in your life because of Jesus, man, you got to open your eyes. See some of that healing that's already taken place. Allow, allow yourself to see some of the good things that, that bring celebration and praise. But on the other side, if you're acting like everything's fixed and nothing else needs, still needs to be, I just don't think you're being honest to the things that we're still waiting for. And Paul says, hey, listen, we are in hope right now. We're in the time of hope. We've been saved in hope. And everything hasn't been fixed yet. He puts us right in the tension where we've experienced something of God's work, but not the whole thing yet. We still wait. We still eagerly wait while we experience healing and hope right now. We still wait to hear Jesus say, Behold, I am making all things new. And yet we know. Yet we know and we see that Jesus has already begun the work of making things new. We know that Jesus has already brought the fruit of that some of the fruit of that into the world. Isn't that the story that we see in the Gospels over and over again? That somehow Jesus sees and hears all of the different places, all the different groanings and, and ways that creation reveals itself to be broken and fractured. And he sees it in ways that nobody else can, or at least he's able to respond to it in ways that nobody else can. Jesus is going to make all things new. I believe that's the hope and the trajectory of the universe. But I also believe that Jesus has already gotten started. And that's why when we look into the Gospels, we can see all of the different ways humans are groaning, crying out. And sometimes, sometimes something new takes place. So a man who was lame ends up dancing in front of the temple. So a blind man opens his eyes and takes in everything new like it's for the first time. A little girl who was sick, near death, ends up going to the dinner table eating her supper with a mischievous eye ready to get up and play. 
an older woman, welcomes back her son into her arms, wondering how he is alive again. A man who was known as a cheat and a fraud ends up funding a foundation for the poor in his community and starts going door to door, making things right with his neighbors who he had once stabbed in the back. A woman whose reputation had made her the ultimate outsider in her community looks in the face of somebody who knows everything that she ever did and yet gives her a love more powerful than any mistake she had ever made. Power that seems like it has uh, the ability to, to quash life whenever it is, that has the ultimate threat within its hand, is able to take the person who's fixing all of these things in creation and hang him on a cross and kill him. Brutally murdering. The one person trying to fix everything. And then, and then the tomb opens. And Jesus comes out. Experiencing fully within himself everything that creation and everything that you are ever groaning about. Experiencing all the pain, all the suffering, all the darkness. He comes out. And he gets back to work making one thing new after another. And that gospel story isn't just confined to the pages of Scripture. Jesus is still making all things new. So an addict finds his way to a meeting. And one clean day becomes two clean days. He finds Jesus giving him the strength to keep coming back. A woman who feels in herself the devastation being betrayed within her marriage so that everything seems broken and falling apart finds a community of people who will stand with her in solidarity Offering her just a way of maybe not fixing everything back to the way it used to be, but finding a new life, finding a new way, finding hope. A, a young man who had never known anything in his family except for brokenness and suffering and abuse finds in a new community of people a word of salvation and a word of life. People who are willing to kneel down in front of him and say, you too are a beautiful creature of God, imprinted with God's own identity and image in your soul. And you too have the dignity and value of anyone else. A woman whose life seems like a failure as she struggles with poverty finds in a new family 
people who will pull up a chair with her so that she can sit at the table of Jesus next to a star CEO and say before the sight of God, you are equal. I love Jesus for so many reasons. <laughs> I love the story. I love, the, I love nerding out and all the biblical stuff. But you know what I love the most about Jesus? I love that Jesus makes things new. I love that within my own heart, that in all those things that seem like there's just no turning back from it, I love that Jesus will still grab me by the collar, hold me close, and say, I have the power to make all things new. I love that he reaches in to my friends in the community, and he will say, even though it seems like you made mistakes that nobody else can fix, and it's true that nobody else can fix them, I too love you, and I make all things new. I love that Jesus stands at the front with the open doors, open seats at the table, and welcomes anybody, anybody, and says, you are broken. It's true. He doesn't deny it. But he welcomes every last soul to the table, and he says, behold, behold, I make all things, all things new. Many of you have been walking with me for a long time. Many of you have been walking with each other a lot longer before I even got here. And the story of the church is not the story of how some people courageously got together and did some different thing. It's the story of Jesus collecting broken things and making them new. And for... For some of you, some of you have not yet tasted what we call that first fruit. Some of us still find it unbelievable that we too have any place among God's people. And we want to say things like, I've just made so many mistakes. Or I don't know my Bible as well as everybody else does. Or, or I, I, I just find it hard to believe. And we kind of come up with this list of things that seems like it's a barrier for us coming. And I want you to know, if you feel broken and lost, I want you to know that Jesus welcomes you to his table. Jesus welcomes you to his people. Jesus knows about all the things that are broken. He knows about the darkness that nobody else knows about. And yet he still welcomes you and is willing to bring you into the people who will taste the first fruits, who will point the way, who wait, who wait for the day when he will say, behold, I make all things new. So if you're there and you're wondering, 
Wondering if Jesus can do that with you? Church, what's the answer? Amen. Yes. Yes, he can. And he will. So if that's your story today and you wish to come and to become part of Jesus' people, to taste the newness that he brings to life, then please come while we stand and sing together.